Welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffalukas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Uh Lucas, what a weekend of college football. We hyped it up, right? We talked about this is the best weekend of the year so far. We had three matchups of, of uh, 5-0 and or 6-0 and teams playing each other. And boy, did it live up to the hype. Uh, Tennessee, Alabama, all-time classic. Oklahoma State, TCU goes to double overtime. Um Utah versus USC came down to the wire. Just a awesome, awesome day uh, of college football. We'll uh, excited to break it all down. But first, uh, how are you, my friend? How is uh, how is Nashville? I got a text from you that that made me smile. Uh, people have been <laughs> clamoring for it. Uh, we have a Lucas Lawn update. So take it away, my friend. Yeah. So first off. Thank you very much. Doing very well. Um, hope you're doing well. Uh, but yeah, big lawn update. So it is now the, the beginning of the fall here in Nashville. Um, and my first time overseeding my lawn. So for those that are new, this was a term I did not know existed about a couple months ago. But basically, usually every fall and every spring, you basically reseed your lawn. So you add grass seed. So very, very exciting stuff. You add new grass seed to kind of uh, thicken it and everything like that and just get new uh, new grass on your lawn. And um, yeah, I did that a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was a very arduous process, a lot of raking. I cut my grass the lowest it's ever been before, and it looked like crap. Um, but uh, slowly but surely, it has been coming back. The cool thing about doing it here in Tennessee is in the fall, you plant cool season grasses that usually you only plant like in the north. And then during the spring, you print your warm season grasses just because the part of the country. So it's been really, really cool. You can see little patches of green pop up um, because most of our grass goes dormant during the fall because uh, it's a warm season grass, but you see the new patches of grass coming in green they just started coming in this week as i was we were kind of talking before the pod i am getting a little annoyed because um i'm now learning uh that that birds just love grass seed and uh i've been the old man literally the old man screaming to get off my lawn (laughs) at birds here so i may need to have to think my strategy in the spring when i do this next time uh, but, uh, but overall the grass, um, the yard is looking good. Um, and we're going to have beautiful weather this weekend. So I'm hoping that, uh, continues it in a good direction. I'll tell you what, maybe the only thing that comes close to me enjoying you talking college football is me listening to you chat about overseeding and birds and, and, uh, and, and, and the lawn. I'm proud of you, buddy. It's, it if, seems like it's coming along. If you... <laughs> If you ask my girlfriend, she'll she'll say the two things that she thinks I love more than her are probably college football and my lawn. So <laughs> it's not true, but um, she'll awful. catch she'll take videos sometimes of me just deeply looking and inspecting the grass. It's just very, 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 very cool. Hopefully, Hannah will share <laughs> some of those with me or with Kyle when when he comes and. When he comes to visit you here in a couple of weeks, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, lots to get to this week, Lucas. A uh, little run of show for everyone, uh, everyone at home. We'll give out our weekly roses as we do every week, kind of celebrating the best of college football the week that was. Uh, Lucas and I are are going to dive a little bit into the college football playoff picture. We're going to kind of use that as a a way to review the week, 
talk about who our top four teams are as of now, who's kind of in that next tier, and who are kind of the contenders after that. Uh, break down a little bit more of a, of a wild week seven uh, after that. And then get into a, a week eight preview. Um, not quite as stacked uh, as week seven, um, but obviously just a lot of a lot of uh, really good matchups. Obviously, you got Clemson, Syracuse, Iowa, uh, Ohio State, Kansas, Baylor, uh, LSU, Ole Miss, just to name a few. So, uh, Lucas, let's start with our roses as we do every week. Uh, why don't you go ahead and start? Give out your uh, your weekly rose. Yeah, so I'm going to give mine out to uh, a player on winner. Probably what was the best night game? And that was Utah and USC. Utah goes for two in the final minute uh, to pull uh, uh, to pull that one out, forty three to forty two. And I am giving my rose to leading receiver in that game, tight end Dalton Kincaid, one of the best tight ends in the country, but had a career game: sixteen catches, two hundred and thirty four yards, uh, including a touchdown. Was their leading receiver by a mile. Um, and what was a huge win for the Utes. So call, uh, Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. I'm going to give you mine to uh, somebody from the uh, the biggest game of the weekend, Alabama and Tennessee. I'm going to give mine to Jalen Hyatt, the uh, the star wide receiver for Tennessee. Cedric Tillman was out uh, for the Volunteers. Uh, it did not matter. Jalen Hyatt, six receptions, 207 yards, five touchdowns, set a school record for touchdowns in a game. Um, huge, huge in Tennessee's, uh, you know, really uh, season-defining win. Josh Heupel, tenure-defining win. Tennessee gets over the hump, beats Alabama in just a an awesome, awesome game. So, Jalen Hyatt, I mean, that game was so just absolutely wild. I mean, he was all of his receive all of his receptions seemingly were were long. All of them, I mean, most of them were were, were for touchdowns. Um, so Jalen Hyatt gets my, uh, my weekly rose. Uh, so Lucas, this was uh, your idea here as, as we transition into our kind of playoff tiers and such. So I will let you go first, kind of explain what we're going to do. Uh, and why don't you go ahead and, uh, and, and kick this off here? Yeah. So I just thought it was kind of a, uh, a good idea, so especially with the week that we had this past week, you mentioned so many uh, matchups between ranked teams. Um, and now we're over the halfway point. Uh, in the season, in just, I believe, a couple of weeks, we're going to be having the first playoff rankings that fully come out. So I just kind of wanted to go over kind of where we see maybe teams um, and kind of tier them when it comes uh, in regards to the college football playoff. And uh, the first tier that I had was really that who would be the top four, maybe if the season ended today. Um, Those who are in my second tier was those who are just really outside. You can make an argument for them. Um, but maybe either don't have the resume or just don't have the wins yet. Um, and then I, my last one was basically, it was just called, they have a shot, um, long shots for people. Um, maybe if they play in a particular division, um, uh, like the, the big Ten <laughs> like that. Um, or just teams that, uh, you know, like I said, maybe it's a fault to their schedule. Ole Miss is kind of in this category where they're, you know, they're undefeated, probably not looking at them as a playoff team, but Hey, they, they still have a shot. So those are kind of the, the three tiers um, that I went with. We may have the same ones. uh, We may have the same teams in these. We may not. Um, So those were kind of, uh, kind of the three tiers. 
Um, so I guess I'll just start off with kind of my top four who I would think would be in today. And so the first one I think is the easiest one would be Georgia. They've been basically number one all season long. Um, and really since that, that close game against Mizzou, um, they've just kind of rolled over everybody in their path, um, including, I believe they won, what was it? 54 to nothing against, uh, against Vandy this past week. 55 to nothing. 55 to nothing. Um, a fun, just a kind of a funny story. I was at, I was in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which you don't know that's in East Tennessee. It's like a big mountain kind of resort town. And uh, we were at a bar to watch kind of the, the last half of the, the early games. And uh, they were just transitioning to the Bama Tennessee game. So this is in Tennessee. Every game, every TV went on uh, went on Tennessee Alabama, except for one uh, that was on Vandy in Georgia. <laughs> you kind of see why it's like, hey Vandy, we know you're in Tennessee. We'll give you at least one screen, but uh, but no, they were. Uh, but now Georgia rolls in that one game we just talked about Tennessee. I actually had them at number two, probably have the best win of the year of any team in college football, knocking off Alabama. Um, they do, they will get tested against Georgia in a couple of weeks. Uh, and they were, they've been doing this all without, you mentioned uh, Cedric Tillman has been out. Juliet Hyatt has emerged, but who knows what this offense is going to be like if they do get Cedric uh, Tillman back. Um, I put Michigan as my number three because they just blew out Penn State, ran for over 400 yards in that game. And then I had Clemson. Uh, they've had a really kind of nice, impressive last couple weeks. Really took it to Florida State this week, and then obviously had the back-to-back wins over Wake and NC State when Devin Leary was still healthy. Um, I've just been really impressed, especially offensively. I think DJU has certainly improved this year, and they've had a really good running game with Will Shipley. So those are kind of my my top four in that team. So we have three of the four the same, and I'll I'll touch on my three that I have the same as you, and then we'll we'll touch on that fourth spot as well. Um, I have Tennessee one. I think they have the best full resume in the country. Like you said, they have the best win of any team in, in the country, right? Beating Alabama. They have a road win at Pitt. They have a, a road win at LSU. They have a home win against Florida. I, I, I just think they have been very, very impressive. I have Georgia number two. Um, Georgia has the second best win, I think, of any team in the country. They have a win over a top 10 Oregon team. Oregon has looked really good outside of that game and Georgia just absolutely throttled them. However, you know, Georgia outside of that game, I mean, here are their other wins besides Oregon. So after the Oregon game, they beat Samford, they beat South Carolina on the road. They beat Kent state. They beat Missouri, Auburn and Vanderbilt, Missouri, Auburn and Vanderbilt are maybe the three worst teams in the sec. Yeah. Right. And, and South Carolina is, is a middle to bottom tier team in that sec East. Now, you know, Georgia plays Florida uh, on October 29th. Then they play Tennessee. Then they play at Mississippi State and at Kentucky. So Georgia's run um, is is coming up here, right? They're, they're, uh, they're off this week. Then Florida in Jacksonville, home Tennessee, uh, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky. So, uh, but I still have Georgia number two. Number three, I have Michigan as well. Um, soft schedule up until... A, a dominant victory over Penn State, 41-17. They're physical. They can run the ball. I don't I don't know how much I trust J.J. McCarthy at this point, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, Blake Corum, Donovan, uh, Donovan Edwards, like they ran for, I think over 400 yards against Penn state yes. against a Penn state defense that I had been allowing Pretty fewer good. than 11 points a game. I mean, it was a good defense. There's a reason why both of us took Penn state plus seven, right? We, we, we both thought that would be kind of a low scoring, uh, competitive defensive game. And it just wasn't, I mean, it, I guess it was for the first half essentially, but really, I mean, besides that long Sean Clifford run, uh, you know, Penn state couldn't do anything on this Michigan mm-hmm. defense. Um, so I was impressed with Michigan. The, 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 the schedule, um, was, was very easy up to that point. They played Colorado state, Hawaii, Yukon, Maryland, Iowa, and Indiana. Um, but I was very impressed. I think Michigan certainly passed their first test with flying colors. I have Ohio state four, and I don't really love it because I think these rankings should be, what have you done for me this season? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we all just kind of look at Ohio State right now. Ohio State's number two in the AP poll and number two in the coaches poll. But, I mean, look at the schedule, Lucas. They beat Notre Dame by 11 points week one. Notre Dame has losses to Marshall and Stanford at home this year. Then they beat Arkansas State. They beat Toledo. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Rutgers. They beat Michigan State. And now, again, you know, you play who's on your schedule. I get that. You, you, you don't determine when you play your Big Ten opponents. They thought they were going to get a marquee non-conference game against Notre Dame. We, we've kind of come to find out that Notre Dame um, is just not that team this year. Um, but Ohio State just doesn't have a great resume. Um, I put them four because I think they would beat Clemson head-to-head at this point. Um, I think Clemson... You know, Devin Leary gets knocked out in their game at home against NC State. Clemson almost loses at Wake Forest. Um, I certainly can understand having Clemson four. Like I, I like Clemson is in my, in my next tier, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I do think right now you have kind of a of a of a top three of of Tennessee, Georgia, and and Michigan. The funny thing is, like two of my teams are going to play each other. Right. I mean, my four, they will match up against each other, Tennessee and Georgia in early November. And then Ohio State, Michigan will play at the end of the at the end of November. So something's got to give. And I think that's going to be pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And I, I feel like we're already hearing the whispers now. Like, what if what if Georgia beats Tennessee and then Tennessee wins out? And then Georgia and Alabama play and Alabama only has one loss and then they win. Are you going to put in three SEC teams? I just know I. Just, it's probably it's I. I kind of hope that situation comes just so then people are like, okay, this is why we're expanding to a freaking eight team playoff. Um, but, feel, but that's the beauty of the season, like you mentioned, and that's why kind of hypotheticals like that do sometimes kind of annoy me this early because it's like like you said, we still have the whole season to play out. These guys have to play each other. Um, but right now, especially in Michigan and Ohio State, I don't really see anybody on their schedule that's going to beat them until that last game, uh, to be fair. Yeah, um, so just to go over the schedules here real quick, Ohio State this week will play Iowa. They'll go at Penn State on uh, 10-29. Um, they'll go at Northwestern, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan. So really, the I think the only <laughs> game that might be a little um, somewhat of a challenge would be Penn State on the road. Yes. Um, but Penn State, you know, in their first big test of the season, just got throttled against Michigan. After Penn State, you have Northwestern, Indiana, and Maryland. Uh, Michigan, 
will play uh, Michigan State on uh, October 29th. The Wolverines are off this week. After Michigan State, they'll play Rutgers, Nebraska. Interesting game against Illinois on 11-19 and then at Ohio State um, two days after Thanksgiving. The Illinois game might be interesting just because it's kind of a trap game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, it's conceivable that those are the – those are those teams are ranked one and two in the country, Ohio State and Michigan, right? Let's say Tennessee, you know, loses to Georgia or beats Georgia, like whatever. Like it's conceivable you have two of the top three, four, two teams, whatever. So I don't think Illinois has the firepower to hang with Michigan, but that's a game. It wouldn't surprise me if with how good Illinois' defense is if that game is close. But you're right. It's conceivable you will have undefeated Ohio State, undefeated Michigan two days after Thanksgiving. And then you're going to have people arguing that whatever team loses still should probably be in the, in the playoff. If it's, if it's always, if they lose a close game by like a game winning field goal. Um, but uh, no, that, that Illinois Michigan game, I think you make up a good point. It's a look ahead, but also it's kind of strength against strength. I mean, that Illinois defense, especially that front seven against the run is extremely good. And Michigan might be the best running team in the entire country. That isn't an option team. Um, so moving, like I, uh, you mentioned, so we did kind of have, uh, I think Clemson and Ohio State flipped. I had Ohio State just to my outside, largely for just what you kind, what we kind of talking about. Like they haven't been tested. I think Toledo is the only team on their schedule that they've beaten that currently has a winning record. Because um, you mentioned Notre Dame has not looked great. They lost a game this past week to Stanford against only putting up 14 points against one of the worst defenses in college football, but also like Wisconsin, which what was looking like was going to be a marquee game. Wisconsin right now is three and four and fired their head coach halfway through the year. Yeah. I mean, um, like you're, you're looking preseason at Ohio state's schedule and you think in the first four weeks, they're going to play Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Then they're going to go at Michigan state. You know, you're thinking, wow, like that's a pretty challenging schedule. It, but and it's just you don't know how teams are going to be, you know, year to and year, with the, with the exception of a, a few of them. Um, so those outside the bubble, and we can talk about these a little bit. I had uh, two conferences. I had basically you have a mix of Big Twelve teams and a mix of Pac-12 teams right now. So in in the Big Twelve, you've got Oklahoma State, TCU. Um, you can put Kansas State in that discussion. I think a lot of people wrote off Kansas State after their loss to Tulane. Tulane's actually very good. Tulane's uh, ranked. Tulane's yes, ranked 25th. Ranked 25th. Only team in Louisiana ranked. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. Um, so I think with that, they obviously they have a huge game uh, this week. I believe they play um, – do they play uh, – they play uh, – Oh, do they play Oklahoma? No, they play TCU this week. I think TCU and um, Kansas State play. Kansas yeah, State right. and then Texas plays Oklahoma uh, State. and plays Oklahoma State. I put Texas in there. There's been some talk that like could they make it? Maybe potentially as a two loss team. I don't think so, just because we just we we haven't had a two loss team make the playoff. I know Auburn was close. I think back in like 2017 they almost did before they lost to Georgia in the SEC title game. Um, but I guess you could maybe with Texas, you could say, Hey, their two losses were by a combined four points. And it was with their starting quarterback out for, you know, half, 
of that game against Alabama and then also against um, Texas Tech, which they lost to in overtime. But um, obviously TCU, uh, that game this past week was was also, we mentioned, uh, that 230 window with <laughs> with Texas. Just wild. Uh, uh, with TCU and Oklahoma State, and then obviously with Tennessee and Alabama, you just had to flip back to both of those. But if you did, you probably missed like two touchdowns in either game uh, if you were if you only had one TV screen. Uh, but TCU obviously comes back to win that game. Um, and then obviously we, we talked about kind of a mix of Pac-12 teams. So I think USC, um, even with their loss to Utah this past week, I don't think that – Dings them at all was one point on the road to what we think is still a very good Utah team. They're still going to have games. Um, they still have to play UCLA. Um, and that could be really their only like toss up game left on the schedule. And then if they make it to the Pac 12 championship game. And then you still have Oregon and UCLA who will play each other this week. We're both on bye. Um, but both I think have been better than expected, especially Oregon. You mentioned against Georgia looked like absolute crap in that game, but it looked pretty dominant since then um, outside of really that Wazoo game. Uh, so those are kind of the, in my thing, those are just outside kind of looking in that I think if the cards play right, those teams still have a legit shot at making it. Yeah. So I, I had a little bit, um, I only had two teams in my kind of next tier. I had Clemson and I had Alabama. Um, Alabama, I think, still controls its destiny, right? If they win out, they will be in the college football playoff. We saw it happen last year, right? They lose mm-hmm. to AM. They end up beating Georgia in the SEC championship game, and they, they're the one seed, essentially, in the college football playoff. So um, Alabama, I think, is, is, is vulnerable. This is not the same team that, you know, Nick had in, in 2020. This is not even the same team last year, right? I mean, they lack – they lack – I mean – they listen. They scored forty nine points, but it just they it doesn't seem like they have the weapons essentially on the outside that they have had in recent years, and that's a huge bar when you consider how many first round wide receivers they have put out. But listen, like Jameer Gibbs is awesome. Bryce Young is awesome. Bryce Young makes just such an insane. It's insane to watch him play quarterback. Yes, with how he moves in the pocket, with how tough he is, with how he controls the game. They they put so much on him, and he does such a great job. Um. I could see them losing one more game. I mean, they have to play at LSU. They have to play Ole Miss. They have to play Auburn. They have to play uh, potentially Georgia or, or Tennessee again in, in the SEC championship game. So, um, But Alabama controls its destiny. And then I put Clemson. You know, I probably should have had Clemson four. They do have a win over a top 15 Wake Forest team. They have a, a, on the road. Uh, they have, a, I think, a pretty good road win at Florida State. I think Florida State's not bad. Uh, and they – that game was 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 not as close as the final yes. score were to indicate. Florida State scores fourteen points in the fourth quarter. Clemson's remaining schedule they got kind of an interesting one this week. Uh, they'll host Syracuse, which is a top fifteen team in the country. They'll go at Notre Dame after a bye week in November. Home Louisville, home Miami, home South Carolina. Um, so I have those two teams in my next tier, and then in in my work to do. Um, I have most of the teams that you mentioned, right? I have Ole Miss, I have UCLA, I have USC, I have Oklahoma State and TCU. Um, Ole Miss is is kind of a fascinating case study. They're seventh in the country, and it feels like no one really is talking about them, and that's in part because of the schedule you talked about, right? The non-conference schedule was Troy, Central Arkansas, at Georgia Tech, and Tulsa. 
Uh, and so far, their three wins in the SEC have been Kentucky, which I think is a good win at home, mm-hmm. at Vanderbilt, and then home against Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss, you look at the last five games of the season, they'll play at LSU, at A&M. They'll have a bye week. Then they'll host Alabama, go at Arkansas, and, and then the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. Um, I do think um, the two – I think there are three teams in the Pac-12 that do have a shot. I mean, UCLA obviously is is undefeated. Um, they have a big one this week against Oregon. Um, and then you have, you know, USC. I mean, or, uh, UCLA, you, you beat Oregon this week. Mm-hmm. You might be a top five, top six team in the country. And that sets up a, a massive showdown um, down the line against USC. It's hard for me to see teams like UCLA, TCU, Ole Miss. It's hard for me to see them at 12 and 0, right? It's just, we, we, it's really hard to go undefeated in college football. It, it just is. And unfortunately, with how those teams were ranked in the preseason, they don't have, they don't have the margin for error. Mm-hmm. If UCLA goes 11 and 1, like, I don't know if they're going to be ranked high enough to be in the college football playoff, even if they win the Pac-12. I just don't. Assuming, you know, nothing catastrophic happens at the top. It's one of my biggest complaints about this sport is these rankings, these preseason rankings. It's really challenging unless you win all your games like Michigan had to last year. It's really hard to, to you know, if you're ranked 21st in the preseason, like you're at a disadvantage. Like if Georgia loses to Tennessee, Georgia's going to fall, you know, a couple spots. You know, if UCLA loses, they're going to be down at 12 or 13. So, Well, and I think that the interesting argument there, too, is when you look at UCLA, one thing I think they have very much in common with Michigan is the non-conference schedule that those two teams play. UCLA played, I think, South Alabama, Alabama State, and... And Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Um, compared with Michigan that had UConn, Hawaii, um, Colorado, State. Colorado State. So that would be an interesting argument for me because I think, and this is just, like I said, this is hypothetical. This is if they're both going in with maybe one loss or if they have the same record and you're deciding between the two because I think they're going to have maybe equal amount of same wins and things like that. But I do think is, I think I I agree with you in the sense that UCLA is going to have a much tougher hill to climb than Michigan because one, Michigan's a bigger football brand. And like you mentioned, they were already ranked in the top 10 to begin the year where UCLA wasn't even ranked uh, to start this season. So um, the one thing I will say though, is I, I think with the way the college football playoff is currently constructed, there's no incentive to play challenging non-conference games, because if you win every single one of your games, you will be in the playoff. You know, if, if, if you're UCLA, like if UCLA goes 13 and out, it doesn't matter who their non-conference schedule is. Yep. Right. Even playing in the Pac-12, which kind of is is not you know deemed in, in as high esteem as the Big Ten and the SEC, like you 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 win all your games, like you're in, right? And we've seen like UCLA is going to have a nice win over Utah on their resume if they if they win in if they win in Eugene this week, that's a huge win for them. Mm-hmm. So they're able to kind of pad that resume even without a a big non-conference game. It's the same thing with Ole Miss. Like Ole Miss has has four non-conference games that are all, that are all cupcakes you go undefeated or even have one loss in the sec West, like you're going to be in, in, in the playoff. It doesn't incentivize teams like Alabama or Georgia or, you know, whatever who have played uh, kind of challenging non-conference schedules. Georgia plays Oregon, Alabama goes at Texas. Um, I, I respect that. And I think more teams should do that, but 
that's not to me it's weighed the same and and unfortunately that's kind of where we're at now hopefully when we expand in a handful of years that will change and, and resumes will actually start to matter at this point it it it, it really doesn't to me no i i agree with you completely because like you said they're not any team especially like specifically in the power five if you are undefeated and a power five champ you are going to get in automatically i remember this happened back in 2017 when you know i saw it firsthand when wisconsin was undefeated going into the big 10 title game basically their knock was their non-conference schedule wasn't good but it was like you knew if they won that game they were or iowa back in like i think the year or two before um you know you win I completely agree because, yeah, there, why would you take almost a guaranteed loss if you don't have to? And you can just basically have three exhibition games um, to get you ready for, for conference play. Now, in UCLA's defense, they did almost lose. I think it was the South Alabama. Yes. Uh, they barely squeaked. I think they only won by one point. So <laughs> it's not always a guarantee. But, no, I, I completely agree with you in that regard. And hopefully when we do move to, you know, what's looking like a 12-team playoff, that teams will want to do it because if you have one or two losses, but one of those two losses is to a really good Power 5 opponent, it's it's almost not negligible that you can just erase it, but it doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, look at Texas. Texas has a one-point loss to Alabama and a loss on the road without their starting quarterback. And, mm-hmm. and they're basically eliminated with two losses. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't. Now, there are other incentives to playing big games, right? You have a big recruiting weekend. It's great for season ticket sales. It's great for exposure. Like you're going to get a lot of eyeballs on your program like that weekend. Overall, the game against Alabama was a huge win for Texas, right? Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey doing his thing. And they had the guy from Top Gun on game day, right? Like all that stuff. But in the end, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't really matter. Right. And so until we see a change in that, there's really no incentive. Right. And I would love to sit here and compare resumes because it's striking to me that Ohio State is still ranked higher than Tennessee. I mean, (laughs) what have we seen this year that tells you that Ohio State should be ranked higher than Tennessee other than Ohio State has a a seemingly better quarterback because of his, his draft status? And their preseason ranked higher because people thought they were going to be better. They haven't shown it. And it's not all their fault that Wisconsin is down and Notre Dame is down and Michigan State is down. But that's just the reality. Yeah. Well, I would even say, and to for that point, like Tennessee also went on the road. Besides their win against Alabama, they also went on the road and beat a pretty good pit team. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the year, too, which I would put that. I would probably put that win over pit higher than. Ohio State's win over Notre Dame, which was at home. Yeah. Um, Ohio right State has had – Ohio State's played one road game this year. It was at Michigan State last week. Like, Tennessee went on the road at Pitt, and that's why that's why we just had the conversation. Does it really matter? Yeah. Tennessee goes on the road to Pitt, wins, doesn't matter. They go at LSU. They throttle LSU by 37, uh, 27 points, and they have a win over a top three Alabama team at the time. And they're behind Ohio State, whose best win is Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, their best win's probably Wisconsin still, right? I think that Wisconsin wins a better win than Notre Dame. Notre Dame has lost to Stanford. That's true. Stanford's terrible. 
you know, and it's it, that this is what always, and I could talk for three hours about this. So you better wrangle me in here, Lucas, tonight. We'll be here all night. <laughs> this stuff, it upsets me, man. In the NFL, uh, right? In the NFL, I don't care if, if Buffalo is one and five or two and four, we don't think that they're a better team than a, than a, a five and one team. I don't care yeah. how much talent you have on paper. I don't care what your preseason ranking was. What have you done this year? I I don't know. I may not have texted this to to you guys, but like I was sitting there telling some friends on Saturday, like Tennessee should be ranked number one if they win this game. Yes. They have the best resume in the country. Georgia, besides the Oregon win, doesn't have the resume Tennessee does. But we somehow don't factor that in. We factor into like, you know, who has more talent according to recruiting services, who has more talent according to like draft experts for the NFL. And unfortunately, like that's where we're that's where we're at, and that's why the four team playoff was always so dang frustrating, because it felt like stuff you did in the non conference doesn't matter if you have one or two losses. Like if I was Texas, I'd be like, "All right, great, we scheduled Alabama. If we had scheduled Alabama State like UCLA did, we'd be five and one and still probably in the college football playoff race. Yeah, we'd be ranked four or five spots higher." So why are we doing this? Why do we want to play Alabama if we're going to lose? You have a yeah, I think, no, I think I think that point right there, I think is a great point. The fact that, you know, they went on a limb, they scheduled Alabama. And you mentioned a lot, a lot of times those games, it's a big reason why Alabama's going to start doing, started doing home and homes again was because of season ticket holders, alumni want these games, everything like that. But I think that's a great point. Like, yeah, if they didn't schedule Alabama, schedule another uh, you know cupcake from the Group of Five or an FCS school. Yeah, we're talking about them right now, six and one. Is this an emerging team in the college football playoff race? Um, and that needs to change. So I completely agree with you. But luckily, it's going to. Uh, hopefully, in two years, we're looking at a an expanded uh, expanded list. And speaking of expanded list, my last year for these. Uh, and then we can we can move on is just I guess they have a shot. That was kind of my my last year. Yeah. Um, so I had in here a few teams. I had Penn State. Um, yeah, they did not look great on on Saturday, especially defensively. Offensively, they're still kind of a mess with Sean Clifford. Uh, Nick Singleton got shut down, only had, I think, 19 yards rushing. The thing is, we mentioned they still got uh, uh, they still got Ohio State on that schedule. They got Minnesota, I believe, coming into town this week. Um, like I said, they could still potentially win out um, and maybe make things interesting in the Big Ten East. I don't see it. Um, Illinois staying in the Big Ten. Main reason I can't believe we're even talking about this um, at the beginning of the year, but they go on the road this week. They knock off Minnesota. I think right now, if you're Picking a team to come out of the West, it's probably Illinois or Purdue, just as we all predicted it at the beginning yep. of the year. Um, but they're they're six and one. Tommy DeVito played and played well uh, despite the injury. Um, and you know, you look at their schedule; they still have they still have to go, I believe, to Ann Arbor uh, to play against Michigan. They still have Purdue on their schedule. But I mean, if they get I put them on this because they're in the West. If they get through and they only have one loss, they potentially are there. Uh, I had UNC on here. They just they just scrape by. They win, but they scrape by. Uh, they had a three-point win against Duke that they had to score a touchdown with 15 seconds left. 
But I, I don't know if anyone else is going to stop them in the ACC Coastal the way that division is. I don't think they're going to go to the ACC title game with uh, less than probably two losses. But um, they pretty much have a chance. We talked about Ole Miss, um, you know, a good start, 7-0. and But schedule does tighten up here towards the end. And then I just kind of had to mention, in case, presume it, in case Clemson maybe does slip up here, if, uh, you know, if Wake or who knows, Syracuse, Syracuse could change everything this weekend. I don't yeah. think they're going to do it, but they're undefeated. They're the only one of the top teams left in the Atlantic that have not played Clemson. If they're able to win, all of a sudden one, they're in the seat. Uh, but then uh, it could make things interesting also for a team like Wake Forest, who uh, probably could potentially, that could be potentially their only loss. Uh, maybe to end the year. Um, so I had a couple of those teams thrown in yeah. long shots, but just due to circumstances, they're still technically in the mix. North Carolina is just one of the most fascinating teams in the country, right? Yeah. You, you, a two point win, 63, 61 at Appalachian state, a seven point win at Georgia state. The only loss is to Notre Dame at home, which has to just be, like it has to keep Mac Brown. They got up. dominated. They got dominated. They, lost, they gave up too. 45 to Notre Dame. 45 <laughs> to Notre Dame. Gene Chizik should have been fired after that game. <laughs> if, if you give up 45 to Notre Dame, they have a, a big blowout win at home against Virginia Tech to open up ACC play. But then the last two weeks, and I get it, it's on the road. It's hard to win on the road. Three point win at Miami, three point win at Duke, in which they needed some tomfoolery from Drake May to beat Duke. That was a yes. really close game. Duke almost sprang the upset there. Um, so you're right. They're six and one. They're three and zero in conference. They have, um, they have four, uh, they have four more games. I'm sorry, five more games though. Uh, host pit, uh, on the 29th of, uh, of October at Virginia at wake forest, home, Georgia tech, uh, home NC state, Devin Leary out for the season as well. So it is a um, – I, I, right now I, I would peg North Carolina as the favorite in the Coastal, yes. especially with um, a win over um, a win over Miami. Uh, you have Georgia Tech at 2-1 and one in, the, in the conference and Pitt, Miami also 1-1. One one. Um, so really the game uh, next week against Pitt, kind of a de facto ACC Coastal championship game, especially if North Carolina is able – um, to get the win. Yeah. I, I echo kind of all your thoughts. I kind of expanded on my, on my list as well. Um, I will be interested to see if the PAC 12 or the big 12 are able to kind of, as we get later into, into the season, um, keep teams in the conversation. Right. I think if UCLA beats Oregon on the road, that should really jump them up three or four spots. And Oregon, same thing, right? Those are two top 10 teams playing each other, right? Game day's going there. It's, it's going to be a big game, 3.30 Eastern on Fox this weekend. Um, winner of that game is probably going to be a top seven or eight team. Mm -hmm. And the winner of that game will, will have to play USC as well. I don't believe Oregon and USC play this year. UCLA and USC obviously will will play this year. Um, and UCLA, or I'm sorry, like USC still sticking around. Like if USC wins out, um, like that's a team that could make its way in there as well. Because um, right now we have three SEC teams and two Big Ten teams that are kind of at the top with Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, uh, and Ohio State. Uh, anything else you want to add before we move on and uh, take a look at week uh, week eight? 
No, I think we touched on you know pretty much kind of all those teams. I think you bring up a good point with the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve because we what we've seen just over the last couple of years is those two leagues just kind of cannibalize each other. <laughs> um, like it's very rare, um, even the last couple of years in the Big Twelve, that we see a team come out a champ come out with less than than two losses. So you know, especially this week. Um, you know, I think if, if like a team like TCU right now that is still undefeated, um, just overall, both in non-conference and in conference, if they're able to, to knock off, uh, Kansas state this week, and then I believe they have Texas, um, in a couple of weeks, um, I think if they win this game this week, it sets them up very, very nicely. And then, um, obviously, uh, Texas can take care of Oklahoma State's chances if they're able to win that game this week. But well, I I, I think I, I think I have the same same as you. Is are those two leagues just going to kind of cannibalize each other um, once all I said think, and done? I think the other reason for this cannibalization is just you know no league takes care of its members like the SEC does, right? I mean the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Guess what? They play nine conference games. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They play games on weeknights, right? Like. You, you, you have teams playing on short weeks sometimes when a team has to play a Friday game. How many times has USC or Oregon gone up to play Cal or Oregon State on a Friday night in November and lost, right? And I look at the SEC, like Tennessee's playing UT Martin this week. <laughs> like you don't see Big 12 teams and Pac-12 teams playing FCS teams in the middle of October. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't. And listen, I mean, we like Tennessee played at Pitt. I'm not knocking their schedule, but like, Guess what happens the week before Thanksgiving? The SEC teams get a bye. Alabama plays Louisiana like Monroe. Auburn plays Alabama State. Like half the SEC is on bye that week before their biggest weekend of the season, right? Over Thanksgiving. No other league does that. No, like the Big Ten's not scheduling all MAC teams the week before Thanksgiving. Michigan has to play Illinois the week before Iowa State. Or um, Ohio State. Now, maybe preseason they figured that was going to be a, like a, a bye as well. And Jim Harbaugh's like, what the hell do you guys think you're doing there? But, like, that's my point. Like, my point is the SEC doesn't play weeknight games. My point is, like, the SEC doesn't um... – are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, like, the SEC doesn't – they don't – they take care of the teams in yes. this league. And that's they, don't, they don't put their teams in basically a disadvantage that they don't have to put them in, pretty much. And I think Nick Saban was kind of the architect of how to schedule those games, and they know it works. And I think uh, I think the Big Ten has kind of taken uh, – they haven't really taken note of that, but if you look at a lot of the schedules on both sides of the divisions, most of the top teams do not play each other until – basically late October or November, basically so that those teams can build up their records. So then you have all these major top matchups going into, into December one for TV ratings, but also um, I think it bolsters um, your conference's resumes um, towards the end as well. Um, so I think it's a, uh, you know, I think it's a fair point. You mentioned, I think the SEC is the only league that does not play games on Thursday and Friday nights. Every other league at least has a handful every year that they're doing it. So yeah, they don't put their teams basically in a, um, in a position to potentially fail. Like you mentioned the Tennessee game. 
if this was a, an SEC conference game, we probably would have been, is this going to be like a letdown, like a potential hangover game for them? And Tennessee was smart. They were like, let's There's put our There's a reason they put this game after Alabama. Okay, right? There's yes. a reason they put this game after Alabama. Yes. Because um, even if they have a hangover effect, they still should probably beat UT Martin easily by three or four touchdowns. So, um, so yeah. So I think um, – so it will be interesting to see how uh, some of those leagues um, – yeah, fair. Here, with we still have a long season left, and a lot of times, these teams that we're talking about right now, the, the games they end up losing are the ones we least expected. So, all right, Lucas, let's jump into a uh, a pretty loaded uh, week eight slate. Um, I'll go through some of the TV schedule, and then I'll toss it to you, and uh, you can give some thoughts. Uh, speaking of playing weeknight games, we do have an ACC game on Thursday. Virginia at Georgia Tech, which is just going to be a complete and utter dumpster fire. Uh, 7.30, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN. Uh, Friday, a couple uh, group of five games, Tulsa Temple, UAB at Western Kentucky. Uh, Saturday in the noon slate, we have Iowa at Ohio State. We have Syracuse at Clemson on ABC, Cincinnati at SMU on ESPN, Kansas at Baylor on ESPN2, moving to the 3.30 slate. Really good 3.30 window. Ole Miss at LSU is the CBS game of the week. UCLA is at Oregon on Fox. Texas at Oklahoma State on uh, ABC. Memphis at Tulane. That is ranked Tulane on ESPN2. Purdue at Wisconsin on ESPN. We move to the evening slate. Uh, Minnesota at Penn State, 4.30. uh, That's 7.30 Eastern on ABC. Mississippi State at Alabama. 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Uh, number 17, Kansas State at TCU, 8 p.m. Eastern on FS1. And then the night slate to round it out, Washington at Cal, 10.30 Eastern uh, on ESPN. San Diego State at Nevada, 10.30 Eastern, CBS Sports Network. What are some games that are um, catching your eye there? Well, you, we kind of crapped on that, that Virginia at Georgia Tech. Uh, huge matchup on Thursday night. <laughs> As in, uh, whoever loses that is probably finishing dead last in the uh, in the coastal, uh, more than likely. But hey, Georgia Tech, good for them. Two uh, two wins in a row. If they win this game, maybe there's potential bowl berth. Um, but uh, no, looking at, I think something that is noteworthy is that Fox is no longer the Wolverine Network after like four consecutive weeks. Um, of Michigan, it, is playing. it not weird that like I get that Fox is doing they they want the big brand, but the fact that like Kansas State at TCU is on FS1, yeah, at at eight o'clock Eastern and not the big new kickoff game, like that just is it's weird to me. I think it just, I think it just shows the power that those fan bases have. Um, that even though it is a lower tier game, we've seen the struggles with Iowa. It's probably still going to get more viewership. Um. Versus, you know, Kansas State has a good fan base, but TCU, small, private school, probably just doesn't get the idols. But I agree. I mean, if I wish they would just go for arguably the best game um, of the day. Um, Syracuse-Clemson, oh, man, it would be so awesome if uh, if Cuse could win this. Good for them already, 6-0. Already going to a bowl game, uh, clinch bowl eligibility this past week against NC State. Um, and then just kind of looking down – uh, the list. Ole Miss, do you think they, I know they played Kentucky, but due to the fact it's on the road, do you think that this is arguably their toughest test of the year? 
I keep or not of the year, but the year so far. Yeah. I keep watching LSU and just not being impressed. Granted, I, I wasn't able to watch the Florida game. I know the offense looked a lot better for LSU. Jane Daniels had, I think, six touchdowns and like over 300 passing yards. But um, I would say so. Listen, I think anytime you go to Death Valley and LSU, it's a really tough atmosphere. Right? It's a really tough game. Uh, first really big road game as well. The Kentucky game was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they did go at Georgia Tech, but like I don't consider that a, a big like road test. So, listen, LSU's favorite. LSU's a one and a half point favorite, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I don't. I think Ole Miss is a better team, but that is a tough spot. It's a it's a three thirty Eastern game, so it's going to be a pretty good atmosphere. You'll get some nighttime in the second half. I know Death Valley at night's always tough. I would say it probably is their toughest test of the season. Um, and. This is, uh, you know, another big test uh, for Ole Miss. Um, and then staying, uh, like you mentioned, going on at the same time of that game, probably the two, I would think the two best games of the day, UCLA at Oregon. We kind of already touched on that, um, of how big of a game that is for both of those, especially Oregon, because if they are able to win that game, uh, I think they're they're fully back in uh, to the potential playoff picture. Um, and then we mentioned with UCLA, they win that game. Maybe they get jump up close to that top five spot. Um, it would be another huge win for them. Texas and Oklahoma State losers, pretty much, uh, pretty much, probably out of the running for the Big Twelve. Um, and I think with Texas, I was, you know, somewhat impressed with them this past week. They struggled. You knew they were going to have a hangover after the way they they played against Oklahoma. And I was pretty impressed. They, they got, they got up by 10 on Iowa state. Then they lose the lead. Um, but I was pretty impressed with them to at least get a win, um, against an Iowa state team that beat, uh, had beaten them the last three years, um, uh, to be able to get, uh, to get to this game. But, um, yeah, otherwise, um, I know another game I will be probably watching, uh, closely as well as obviously Mississippi state and Alabama, just to see how Alabama responds. Uh, they're back at home. Um, you know, do they respond with vengeance against Mississippi state or do we see them kind of struggle again against another vaunted passing attack? Uh, Mississippi state is not as explosive as Tennessee, but it's still an air raid S this is obviously an air raid type offense. Um, and just kind of, I just kind of want to see how, emotionally at least that they come out and play in that one. Yeah. Um, I think Kansas state TCU is a really interesting, fun one. I mean, one of the reasons why I picked Oklahoma state last week was, I mean, you look at the run TCU has been on, right? They, they play Oklahoma, they throttle them. They play Oklahoma state uh, they at Kansas. Uh, and now you have Kansas state. Um, and, you know, we don't really think of the big 12 as being this kind of daunting you know, league, but it's a tough four game stretch. Uh, TCU, a short favorite at home against Kansas state. Um, and I think Kansas state's like pretty solid. I don't know if they're, yeah. you know, playoff solid, but I think they're nine or 10 wins solid. You know, Deuce Vaughn's really good. And Adrian Martinez, I, I want to say Kansas state. I saw this is the only team to not throw an interception this year. Um, That's Adrian, mind boggling. Yeah. Adrian Martinez has been, has been really, really good this year for them which just kind of is another indication of how poor Scott Frost was. <laughs> uh, Minnesota, Penn State as well. It's kind of like a similar spot to Alabama. How does Penn State respond? 
Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, I don't think will have Tanner Morgan. He left the the uh, Illinois game with, a, I think, a pretty nasty looking upper body head injury. Um, Penn State at home, night game. Don't know if this is the whiteout game. I'm guessing that'll be Alabama. Granted, that oh, I'm sorry, uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah, granted, Ohio State is at noon, so this is kind of a big night game uh, there up in Happy Valley. Um, you know, Penn State still theoretically is is involved. They're they're 16th in the country, and and uh, you know, a chance to keep making some noise. So that will be kind of an interesting one for me as well. Um, anything else you want to chat about before we get to picks? I was going to say, I think a big game for both of us, because I think we both took uh, the win, to- win totals for so two of these games. I'm looking at ASU at Stanford. I think we both, did you take the under five and a half? So I got for, it. Uh, I got actually got it at six and a half. Six and a half. I got it early before I went down to five and a half. So you probably, obviously you being an ASU fan, you'll be rooting for ASU in this game. My, I'm sweating that five, I got it at five and a half. I'm sweating it a little bit. Um, just the way they've looked the last couple weeks. Obviously, they were on a bye last week, but knocking off Washington the way they did, and then also how they played against USC. It's a game at Stanford. I don't think Stanford is that good, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So just for my personal purposes, we'll probably be sweating that game out. As for... Um, Pitt at Louisville. Uh, we both took Louisville over, I believe it was five and a half. Please don't remind they, me. They probably have to win this game <laughs> in order to, to have a chance at hitting that, especially when you look at their last three games of the year, or their, their last four, their last five. They got to play uh, Wake Forest after this game. They have to play a pretty darn good James Madison team after that, who was ranked a week ago before losing this past week. Then they're at Clemson, NC State, even though that's still going to be a tough game, even without Devin Leary. And then they have at Kentucky to end the year. So for that, uh, I I think it's pretty much dead. But um, if they do lose to Pitt, I think that'll pretty much uh, be the nail in the coffin for their overwin totals for the year. Very disappointing. And probably the only coffin on Scott Satterfield, potentially. Yeah, that's another one. His seat getting dangerously, dangerously warm uh, as yeah. well in Louisville. All right, let's get to our picks of the week. Uh, just to recap, uh, three and three overall for us. I went two and one. You went uh, one and two. Uh, we both took Penn State plus seven. That was an L for both of us and just a kind of a misread for, I think, the both of us. My upset pick was Tennessee plus seven and a half. That is a winner. And then uh, we both had Clemson minus three and a half as our lock, uh, a winner for both of us. Your other defeat was the under 38 and a half in Illinois, Michigan, and just a kind of kind of a bad beat. You, you lost it by basically a point and a half, which, mm-hmm. which is frustrating. Um, all right. Um, I will go first. I will do my, uh, my upset of the week. I'm taking Kansas plus seven and a half at Baylor. Um, Baylor losing in Morgantown last weekend. Granted, Baylor is coming off a loss or coming off a, a longer week. Um, I like how Kansas is playing. I don't think they're going to lose three straight games. I think they get bowl eligible this week, or if not, they they I get them a touchdown and a hook. Um, Kansas also kind of a nice sneaky backdoor team, almost backdoor to Oklahoma there. Um, so I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take uh, Kansas plus seven and a half against Baylor. Oh, man. Here we go again, picking uh, an underdog in the same week. Let's hope we have better luck this week. That was mine as well. 
Uh, Let's go. Kansas plus plus seven and a half at bay there for basically the same reasons you did. Um, there doesn't seem to be – they don't really seem to miss that big of a beat without Jalen Daniels uh, with Jay Bean in there. And I don't think Baylor is as prolific of an offense, offensive team as Oklahoma is. So I like Kansas here with the points uh, to rebound. All right, why don't you go first then and give us your uh, your uh, pick of the week? My pick of the week. So I kind of, we kind of talked about this a little bit. How would Bama respond after losing to Tennessee? And oh, last man. year, I took Bama in a very similar spot. They had just lost A uh, and M. Their opponent the next week was Mississippi State. They were around a twenty point favorite. I picked Bama. They ended up covering easily. I'm doing the same thing this week. Tough loss on the road. Um, I'm taking Bama minus 20 and a half once again against Mississippi State. This game is in Tuscaloosa. Alabama knows their back is kind of against the wall in this. Um, and I like Bryce Young to come out firing uh, against this Mississippi State defense. Um, so, yeah, give me Bama and I will roll um, with the points on this one. Um, we're kind of on the same page here. I'm taking Penn State minus five against Minnesota. Mm. Um, back against the wall, um, coming off a loss. Like, what do you, how do you respond kind of a game? Um, Minnesota, I worry about them starting maybe a retro freshman on the road and a night game against Penn State. And to be honest, Illinois, kind of like the Indiana game, like the game was not as close as it probably, the, the, yeah. the score show. They dominated. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota scored their second touchdown after um, they returned the opening second half kickoff like 90 yards to like the five-yard line. So uh, Illinois really dominated Minnesota. I like Penn State here. I get in it under a touchdown, even under six. Um, I like that as well. So I'm taking Penn State minus five uh, at home against Minnesota. Uh, Your lock of the week, sir. So we kind of touched on this. I'm going to take Pitt Moneyline against louisville okay um, i actually got plus this was going this was going at plus 105 when i bet it which uh ah. was i was kind of uh like we kind of touched on it i do not trust louisville at all i don't really trust pitt either i thought pitt was maybe going to be the best team in the ac coastal they still could be they have to win this game um but then they did lose to, to georgia tech a couple of weeks ago um but I think this is a Louisville team that is just kind of flailing uh, just a little bit. I believe they did win last – did they play Virginia last week? Um, but I, I just – I don't really have a lot of faith in this Louisville team. It is at home. Um, but I am going to take Pitt money line just because I, I picked Pitt to win the AC Coastal, and this is a must-win for them uh, if they're going to uh, potentially do that. So take, give me Pitt money line. Okay, Just going straight dubs. All right, at Louisville. I'm going to be quick. I'll take the over 62 in Texas, Oklahoma State. Um, I think these are two really good offenses. Even though Texas didn't score a ton against Iowa State, um, Oklahoma State just gave up 43 to Baylor. They did score 40 as well. Um, I think these are two good offenses. I think they both get over 31. I think it's like a you know 35, 31, 38, 34 kind of game. So. I will take the over uh, thirty uh, over sixty two in Texas Oklahoma State. 
Lucas, before we wrap up, any final thoughts? Uh, that's crazy. Halfway, already past the halfway point in Sad, the season. Man, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this week uh, pans out um, versus last week. It's got a tough, <laughs> tough week to beat out. Uh, week six was one of the more fun times I've had watching college football. Uh, but this is really intriguing as well because now we've seen some of these teams we've seen now evolve. Now, do they continue to evolve and to grow and get better as the season goes along? So it should be interesting to watch. We are also setting up. I'm excited personally. Um, going to be setting up a projector in the backyard. Uh, we're going to be testing nice. that out this week and maybe watching some uh, football games outside and what should be beautiful weather here in Nashville this weekend. Very nice. Yeah, it's getting nicer in Arizona. The temperature is now in the mid-80s. So we are <laughs> we are getting down there as well. All right. Uh, for Lucas Rohde, I'm Ryan Baffalucas. Thank you all for listening. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Running for Roses and uh, subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Have a great night. <laughs>